Today we have come to the end of our series on women in the Old Testament. The summer is pretty much over, the children are back to school, but it has been a fantastic series through the summer. I have to say, if you've missed any of these great talks, go back and listen to them again, because we've had some brilliant preachers and some really inspiring messages. And it started a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the story of Ruth. Ruth, the faithful outsider who joined in. And then we had Miriam, the flawed worship leader who led Israel in worship, but who really struggled at times with authority. We had Deborah. Who was here for Deborah? Deborah who knew, let's say it together, that victory rests with the Lord. Now, if you missed that talk, go back and listen again, because David Wadsworth, who is out there right now with our young people, gave us a taste of what he gives them. So listen again, find out the depth of teaching that our young people are going to be getting in their new look young church. So yes, we had Deborah, who knew that victory rests with the Lord, and then Esther, queen for such a time as this. And today, we come to Hannah whose prayer of great anguish became part of God's plan. Now, Hannah's story is a painful story because Hannah was unable to have any children. Now, this is a painful topic, and I know that it is something which people in Campbell probably find particularly hard because we are blessed with so many children in this church. But for Hannah, not only was she unable to have children, but there was something that perhaps was even worse, if that is even possible, because Hannah really loved her husband. Together, they really wanted children But the culture at the time dictated that if your wife was unable to bear you children, you were expected to take another wife because you were expected to continue the family line. So even though Hannah and her husband, it was a love match, we can see that from the passage, he had married again and his second wife had lots of children. I can't begin to imagine what that was like for Hannah. And that gets worse, actually, because it wasn't just that, that they all lived together and there were these children and she was sort of part of that family and accepted and loved, but there was a bitter rivalry between those two wives. Even in the temple, even when they were meant to be worshipping, the other woman would torment Hannah about her lack of children. This is a horrible story. In a way, I wish that we didn't have to acknowledge this. On the other hand, I'm jolly glad it's there in the Bible. Because we all know that life is horrible at times. And the Bible is full of stories of how God gets involved with people's lives, even when their lives are in a bad way. So we have Hannah, beloved by her husband, and yet barren. And she did what any woman would do. And she wept. And when she went to worship with her family, and she'd probably been tormented 
by the other woman who had all these children, she went, she took herself off from the feast. She couldn't face the feasting, even though her husband had just given her a double portion. He tried to make it up to her. He gave her extra meat and extra love and attention. But she went off by herself and cried before the Lord. Isn't it good to know that we can do that? That when life is horrible, we can come before God and cry. We may not cry with words. I mean, Hannah there was sitting there and, and Eli thought she was drunk because she wasn't praying in the standard liturgical way that one would have been expected to pray. It was raw emotion before the Lord. I wonder, when we're in a really bad place, is that something we feel we can do? I think sometimes we find it easier to, to moan to a friend or maybe bring your mum up or but not to go to God with the things that worry us. And I was thinking about why that might be, and I thought of two reasons. Maybe we think that God is so big, so powerful, so incredible, that why would he care that I'm unhappy? If our God created the heavens and the earth, why should he care about me? Well, Hannah didn't think that. Hannah went and prayed. Or the other reason, perhaps, that we, that we don't go to God is because we don't think it'll make a difference. Maybe we, we, we know that, that some of the stories we hear in the Bible are true and, and that God, God is good, but we don't think he's powerful enough to actually change things. Well, Hannah didn't think that. Hannah went to pray. Hannah poured out her soul. Look at this, in verse 10. In her deep anguish... Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. In verse 15, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Now God hears poured out agony. He wants people in their suffering to come to him. And he himself is there as the gift for them, ready to give himself to them, to us when we come to him in that state. So what happens next? Well, let's read on. Because Eli comes to talk to Hannah. I clicked on here, let's try that. Eli comes. And having had this conversation about whether she's drunk or not, she explains the situation. And then look at what he says in verse 17. Eli says to her, go in peace. Now, these are words that are very familiar. At the 9.30 service, we close almost every service with the words, go in peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We use these words all the time. But for Hannah, right there, when Eli said that to her, I think it made a difference. And I wonder, maybe it's something that you're familiar with, but when somebody tells you, go in peace, God will have heard your prayer. Maybe you need somebody to say that because it's not quite enough for you to believe it. I can remember a situation a, a while back where I just felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me. Everything in life that I thought was a certainty was confused. I didn't know what was going on and I had been pouring out my heart to God. All day, every spare moment I'd been praying and I was going over to meet a friend. And as I drove over to her house, I was sitting in the car, I had a worship tape on 
And I was praying. I was saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what we're meant to do. Please, God, do something. You've got to sort this situation out. And I got to the house and we sat down. She said, how are you? Had a good day. And I went, I don't know what to do. I have been praying all day and I'm so worried. There's this situation going on. And, and she said, well, you've prayed about it, haven't you? And I said, yes, all day. Nothing, I, all I've done is pray. And she said, well, leave it with God. She might have said, go in peace. And she was absolutely right because I left it with God. We had a great evening together and I got home. And by the time I got home that night, I was at peace. Nothing had changed, but I was at peace. It's the same here for Hannah. Eli says to her, go in peace. And she was. Hannah left, no longer downcast. And she went and joined in the feasting. And this wasn't just somebody wiping their eyes. She went back to the situation that she'd practically run away from. At peace. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because God hadn't actually solved her problems yet. But she had poured out her heart and he was listening. And Eli told her to go in peace. And what happened next? Well, this is where it's always hard when we look at a story where somebody's ill and there's been healing or someone who's barren and they get a child because for Hannah, the answer to her prayers was exactly what she'd hoped for and she became pregnant. And it's hard to talk about because I know that that isn't always the case. But I do know that God always listens. And even if he doesn't answer your prayers in the way he expects, he will give you peace. And he will change you, even if he doesn't change the situation in the way you're expecting. But for Hannah, the story was more than just an answer to her prayers. This was a story where history was changed. Because Hannah prayed, God heard her prayer, and the child that she had was Samuel. Now, I don't know how well you know your Old Testament, but Samuel is a major figure there. He has two whole books named after him. He was the prophet that saw the transition from the old ways under judges through to the new ways of the king. He anointed both Saul and David, and he was there as a confidant, as an encourager, and as a prophet to the people of Israel just when they needed it. So this child, she thought she was praying for a son to continue the family line. God heard her prayer, that she was praying that God would move in a powerful way. And God changed history for you and for me. Now, I don't think that Hannah knew that that's what she was praying for. There we go. We have a picture of Samuel anointing King David. Because... I don't think that Hannah knew exactly what she was praying for. She knew that prayer could change everything, but her everything, I think, was rather small. And sometimes when we pray, our everything is very small. All we can see is the issue before us. And the great thing is that God hears us when we pray like that, but he does more than that. God heard Hannah's prayer, and God found a way of answering her prayer 
that changed history. Now, I don't think that if Hannah hadn't prayed that prayer, then salvation wouldn't have happened. I think God would have found another way of doing it. But because Hannah prayed that prayer, God was able to use her. And the joy that she found at that moment is just wonderful. If you look on in your Bible to chapter 2, look over the page, then we have Hannah's prayer, chapter 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. Now, this is the wonderful prayer of joy that she prayed when she took Samuel to the temple and handed her over. So it's a really strange situation because here's a woman who is completely barren and desperately wanted children. And she said to the Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And then when he was probably only three years old, when he was just weaned, she took him to the temple and handed him over to grow up under the care of the priest. And she made a Nazarite vow, so no razor would cut his hair. That was a sign of, of uh, religious um, obedience. So he lives almost monk-like. I think that would be the, the best equivalent we can think of. So she handed her son over, and yet she sang this prayer of joy. So what are we to take from this? Did Hannah make a bargain with God? Was it because in her great anguish she said to God, God, if only you will give me a child, then I will do, I'll give him back to you. Do you think that's what happened? Well, I think it was quite like that. I think if that's how God worked, the Bible would be full of stories of people who were in bad situations who said, God, if only you save me from this terrible situation, I'll turn up at church every Sunday. And then they did. Or, God, if only you help me pass my exams, then then I will give all my money to the poor. And they did. And that's not how it works. But for Hannah, the vow that she made was part of her prayer. And the more I thought about this, the more I thought, I don't think she went in there to bargain with God. I think she went in there praying and praying and praying. And that part of what happened in that process was she became aware that if God were to give her a son... It wouldn't be her son, but it would be God's son. Because, and this is again a phrase that we often use at 9.30, we say, of your own do we give you. Because there's nothing that is truly ours. And actually, the prayer that Hannah prayed was the same as the prayer that all of us who are parents should be able to pray. We should be able to say to God, thank you for our children, but we know that they are yours that we are only here to temporarily look after them and to guide them, equip them, and to help them to grow up to be the men and women that God wants them to be. My children shouldn't grow up to be the men and women that I want them to be, but who God wants them to be. And I know that God will have an amazing purpose for my children that I probably don't even understand. I think that's what Hannah's prayer was about. It wasn't some bargain saying, God, do this for me and I'll do something for you. It was an acknowledgement that if God were to give her a child, that wouldn't be her child. It would be God's child. And the right thing, not just for Hannah, but for Israel and for us today, was that Samuel was there to see David established on the throne. The throne, the dynasty that continued forever. The dynasty that Jesus was born into who is our Messiah, our anointed king, and our saviour. So out of this prayer, history was changed. 
So, that's Hannah's prayer. There we go. The last woman in our series of women in the Old Testament. A woman of anguish and pain who came to the Lord, poured out her heart, offered herself to the Lord. And he heard her. He remembered her. He did what she asked, but even bigger and much more powerfully than she could have imagined. And ultimately, it meant that Jesus became our saviour. What an amazing woman. Do you think? Maybe. We've got it all the wrong way up. Do you know, Sunday by Sunday, I've been sitting here thinking, what an amazing woman. And I've gone, no, no, that's, that's not right. What an amazing God we've got. In each of these stories, and if you go back and listen again to the talks, you'll hear, each time the story has said, well, there was this woman and situation, and God did something powerful. Isn't God great? And that's been the repeated theme all through the summer. These aren't stories of women in the Old Testament. These are God stories. These are great stories about how God deals with ordinary men and women like you and like me. So I think as we look at Hannah's story, we can look at it and go, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff we can learn. I think we can learn that God loves us, that if we come before God and pour out our soul, he will be listening, that he wants us to pray like that, that if we have prayed, then we can trust him and we can go in peace. We can learn all of that. We can't just copy her though. We can't make some promise arbitrarily and expect it to be some deal with God. What we should do is look at the God that met with Hannah and look at the God that met with all of these women. Because look at what we've got on the screen here. Here we have that all of these women were loved by God where they were and as they were. Isn't that a relief to hear? I don't have to be Deborah or Esther or Ruth. I'm just me. And the same is true for you. Every man and woman who is here in Camborne could well be here for just a time as this, just like Esther was. And more than that, every woman there was used by God in ways that they had never imagined. We don't have to fit into a preconceived moral or or religious box. We just need to pour out our hearts before God. We sang a song a few weeks ago where we sang, Break my heart for what breaks yours. That, I think, has been the most powerful thing I've heard for weeks. If we come to God and we pray, Break my heart for what breaks yours, and we pray about it, just what is he going to do with us? Because this God is so much bigger than we can ever imagine. And the things that he can do with us are so much bigger than we can ever imagine. And maybe it's when us, when we, as men and women in Camborne, pray with deep anguish that God will use us to do something great. Amen.